Hello, 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 team Agilab. I hope you guys are doing great. Uh, it's been a minute, still alive, proof of life, <laughs> proof of life. I hope you guys are doing great. Um, hey, listen, special shout out to uh, all those that have been attending our Tuesday prayer sessions. Um, you know, we started a prayer time uh, called Lifted Hands where uh, we get together virtually uh, every Tuesday at 8 p.m. to pray together. And uh, it's been such an incredible, I think we've probably done it now for about a month, and it's been so great. And uh, if, if, if you want to be able to join, um, I want you, how you're able to do that is just go to the bottom uh, of this video. You can join our WhatsApp community. And when you join our WhatsApp community, you will get uh, details of the Tuesday prayer time. You'll get the link that you can be able to join us when you are able to. And if you're able to, I encourage you to join us. It's super dope. It's It's been amazing over the past month. And I think for all those who have joined, you can attest to just how amazing it's been. And I believe that God is going to really transform our lives um, through uh, lifted hands. Um, now, we're still on the Walking with God series. And, and, and you know, we've been studying the Gospel of John. And so today we're in... Uh, chapter 12, um, uh, today I was determined, you know, I've been completely swamped, but today I was determined that I was going to come and minister God's word to you guys. And I have a word for you all. So uh, as is our custom, this is a Bible study. So I want us to be able to read uh, John 12 from verse 1 to 11 now, because this is a short portion of scripture. I want us to read it together. So I'll read it uh, together with, with you guys. So uh, allow me to read. Uh, therefore, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a dinner there, and Martha was serving. And Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of very expensive perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas one of his disciples, the one who intended to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the proceeds given to the poor? Now he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he kept the money box, he used to steal from what was put into it. Therefore Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you, ha you, for you always... For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The large crowd of Jews then learned that he was there and they came, not on account of Jesus only, but so that they, may, they might also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, if you remember from the last sermon in the previous chapter, um, you know, the most incredible miracle has happened. And Jesus has raised a man who has been dead for four days. Now, Jesus raising someone from the dead is not unfamiliar. Remember the, the girl that he raised uh, from the dead was also the widow's uh, son, only son that he raised from the dead. But what's remarkable about this is that this guy has been dead for four days. He's been dead for four days. He's already inside the tomb. Right? His body has probably already started to decay. And, 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 and remember that they were saying, we can't open the, the, the tomb because it's probably already smelling. 
Now we know throughout Jesus's ministry that he he, he faced a lot of opposition from from the uh, from the Pharisees, and and we see this throughout. It's a it's a it's a consistent narrative throughout this book where we see that he faces a lot of opposition from the, the Pharisees, and you know I really hope that uh, this opposition is ministering to you that when you think about the fact that they literally opposed Jesus then it allows you to be able to find comfort in the fact that you also, as is promised by Jesus, will face opposition as well. You will also face opposition. And this is something that we talk about a lot in this ministry is, you know, that following Jesus will result in some opposition, right? And and, and for anyone who is looking to live a soft life by following Jesus, unfortunately, part of the, the journey of pursuing a fruitful life and a meaningful life also means going through some very uncomfortable situations. Even though we believe in God, we're going to go through some difficult, uncomfortable situations. Um, and so, this is the case with Jesus that He demonstrates to us. You know that that you know that opposition is not necessarily always a bad thing. Yeah, it's actually something that you can expect. Now, anyway, what what we did last time, uh, the last sermon, is that we talked about how tough how difficult the death of Lazarus must have been for Mary and Martha. You know, why would Jesus delay for four days to come to them? You know, the Jesus who loved them, the Jesus who loved them, why would he take this long to come to them? Why would he delay coming to their aid? And yet they were those that he loved. And it actually talks about this, and we talked about this, that though Jesus loved them, there was a plan, that he had a divine plan in regards to what was happening to Lazarus. And we see it here. We see that on account of Lazarus, that many, many were coming to believe in Jesus to the extent that the Pharisees were deeply offended that they wanted to both kill Lazarus and Jesus on account of the fact that there were many who were coming to believe in him on account of this miracle. Now, this obviously was an incredibly impactful miracle, right? And it's, it's one that really just, you know, reflected upon the identity of who Jesus was, that he was the resurrection and the life, that this is, if anything, this must be the Messiah. And many were coming to believe in him, right? It says here in John 12, from verse 9 to 11, that the large crowd of the Jews then learned that he was there. And they came not on account of Jesus only, but so that they may also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and were believing in Jesus. How amazing is that, right? That this was the divine plan that Jesus had, that in spite of the difficult situation that they went through, that this was the divine plan, that Lazarus would be a witness would be a witness. And sometimes, I think what we talked about last time is how sometimes that difficult situations are there for you to have a witness, for you to be a witness of God's goodness and grace towards others that will be able to draw others to, to Christ. Now, the thing about, again, remember from last week, not last week, but the last uh, sermon is that for Mary, not knowing of the great and eternal purpose that Jesus had with that situation, you can imagine, you 
can imagine after what she had been through and that whole family and what she had been through that she was obviously overwhelmed by the goodness of Jesus in her life, overwhelmed with gratitude. I mean, first and foremost, if you remember that this is the same Mary who sat at Jesus' feet instead of helping Martha. And I remember, if you remember how uh, Jesus defended her, he defended her and when Martha came to, to raise a complaint and saying, you know, tell my sister to come help me. And he says to Martha that, no, she has chosen the better thing, that she has chosen the better thing and it will not be taken away from her. So you can imagine already first, this is the Jesus who defends her. This is the one who, who allows her to go against what is at the time a cultural norm that a woman should be there helping. But instead he allows her to sit at his feet like the other disciples. Something that was culturally uh, a taboo at the time. But Jesus allows her to do this. right? And he defended her desire for her to be close to him. right? And you can imagine the gratitude that she felt for this Jesus who raised her beloved brother from the dead after he had been in there for four days. I mean, the miracles and the amazing things that this Jesus had done and worked in her life. Now, one of the things to recognize is that this, 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 at least three times in the script, in the Gospels, we're told that someone anoints Jesus. So there's the lady who anointed Jesus, Jesus um, on his head. There's the other lady who anointed him at his feet and was wiping his feet with, 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 with her tears. And then there's Mary. So these are three different situations, at least with the way that the stories are told. These are not the same situation. But the thing about Mary is that she, you can see that there is so much that she is, that she, that she, that, that she can be grateful for. There's so much that she is super grateful for. Right? And this is how she expresses her gratitude. That while Martha is serving and while Lazarus is seated, having a feast in honor of Christ and all the great things that he has done, the way in which Mary expresses her gratitude is that it says that she took a pound of very expensive perfume worth a year's wages. So let's assume that maybe she's making 250k a month. It means that she dropped something worth 3 million shillings on Jesus. Are we together? 3 million bob. A year's worth of wages. This was the intensity of her gratitude towards Jesus. This was the intensity of her gratitude and the demonstration of her gratitude towards him. Now allow me to connect this to another story in scripture. In Luke 17 from verse 11 to 19, we're told the story of 10 lepers. And allow me to read it. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw that, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. 
Now, the thing about this story that's important to understand is how at the time having leprosy was literally the worst thing outside of death that could happen to someone. In fact, I dare say it was literally worse than death. In Leviticus 13 from verse 45 to 46, this is what it said of those with leprosy. As for the person who has, a, who has the leprous infection, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered and he shall cover his mustache and call out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. He shall live outside the camp. Now, the thing I need you to understand is this, is that having leprosy basically was that you literally lost all dignity, all status, and became an outcast. Meaning that you, if, if you had a family, if you had relatives, if you had a business, if you had a whole life going for you, once you had leprosy, you immediately would need to be isolated and go hang out with other people with leprosy. So basically, you are taken to the leprosy area, the place where you go and hang out with other people who have leprosy. Meaning that this disease literally destroyed your life. It destroyed your life physically. It destroyed your life emotionally. It even destroyed your life spiritually because you couldn't even go to the temple to pray. Having this disease literally destroyed your entire life as you know it. And even if you look here where it says that you call out unclean, unclean, that every day that you had this infection, that you will live alone and outside of people, of your family, of your loved ones. Can you imagine what that must be like? That you have this thing that of not even because you've done anything, it's not because like you've murdered someone or anything. You have a disease and the disease causes you to become a complete outcast. Socially, like no one will talk to you. You're literally rejected and thrown into the unknown. This is just such a devastating thing to think about. And this is what would happen when you have this leprosy, right? You would not be able to engage in normal life. It's like you were in a prison. And the only people that you could interact with is other people with this same condition. Now, the thing is, is that there were 10 men who had this humiliating and devastating disease. I can't think of a, of a worse thing that could happen to anyone. Even then, like, I don't think there's anything else that could happen to someone than having leprosy. And they stood at a distance, which is actually what they're meant to do, right? And what did they do? They called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Because the thing is that this is such a devastating disease to happen to anyone that literally the thing that they needed was pity, was mercy. And what they cried out for is, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have pity on us. Have pity on us. And it says that when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. Because this was the only way you can get back into society, is that the priest would then look at you 
and once the priest approves, then you can then be able to get back into society. Now, when you go read Leviticus 13, right, that's how you'll be able to understand the procedure of how this, why, why Jesus sent these guys to go see the priest. And I hope you'll go read it, yeah, Leviticus 13. Anyway, so as they went, they were cleansed, right? And it says that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, it says that he came back. And remember, when they were, when they were crying out for, 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 uh, for healing, they cried out in a loud voice, have pity on us. Jesus, have pity on us. They cried out in a loud voice. And this one who had been healed, it says that he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Right? Follow through with me on that. When they were crying out for help, they cried out in a loud voice, Lord, have mercy on us. But this one man came back praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. When they were asking for help, cried out in a loud voice. But this one man in his thanksgiving, praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now, the thing is, is that, um, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've experienced this very many times very many times throughout my life where someone comes and asks for your help, right? And they'll send you paragraphs, paragraphs of just how they need help, whatever, all that stuff, and they're like, I need help. And you help this person. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. I know it's happened to me many times where you help this person and they do not even say thank you once you I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Or it's actually happened to, it's happened to me quite a few times where you can have a situation where you can have to be, you know, ask the person, like, hey, by the way, did you, did you get the help that I sent, you know? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, my bad, sorry, yeah, thanks. That's happened to me many times. And, you know, the thing is, as I was preparing this and I thought about this, I started to ask myself, you know, how many times am I like that? Where? The asking energy doesn't match the gratitude energy. Where the asking energy is paragraphs, but the thank you is forgotten. How many times are we like this, where when we are literally seeking God's help, we will cry out, my friend, we pray fast, tears flowing through, but then when finally God comes through, our gratitude is forgotten. Sometimes you even forget to give thanks. How this connects to the whole Mary situation is that for Mary, what Jesus had done for her warranted her taking something worth a year's wages, anointing the feet of Jesus and wiping his feet with her hair in order to express her gratitude. For the leper, whose life had completely been destroyed by this disease, he came back, praising God in a loud voice, 
threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he came with a gratitude energy that superseded his asking energy. Now, I know for me, like when I've, as I was preparing this, I recognized that I'm 100% certain and very much like when you think you realize is that when you see that there's only one guy who came back to give thanks in that story, is that I recognize that for myself that I'm one of those guys where my asking energy definitely does not match my gratitude energy. That this must change. This has to change. When I think about the things that God has done for me, the things that he has helped me to overcome, and the amount of times that I forget to literally give thanks, I cannot count the amount of times that I've gone to seek help and he helps me, and the amount of times that I have forgotten to give thanks, where my gratitude energy does not match my asking energy. God has been an ever-present help. He has continued time and time again to come through, to show me mercy, even when I am ungrateful, he continues to shower his mercy, his love, his goodness upon me. And I don't know if any of you are like me, but the thing about this story is that it shows us that if one person came back to give thanks, it shows us that really our default for many of us is that we lack gratitude. Our asking energy is high, but our gratitude energy is very low. And so the thing is, is that today this message is really for people who are so deeply aware of just the amazing things that God has done for us. And you are saying to yourself that it's time for me to up my gratitude energy. That I want to be like Mary. That I want to be like this leper where my gratitude supersedes asking energy, that my gratitude energy supersedes my asking energy. For Mary, she was willing to give a year's wages. She wiped his feet with her hair. For the leper, he came back praising God with a loud voice, fell at his feet and thanked him. One of the things that both of these people have in common is that their gratitude found them at his feet, thanking him, thanking him. You know, the thing that is interesting about gratitude, that gratitude is not just a thing that you feel in your heart. In the same way, asking is not a thing that you feel in your heart. We are very vivid when we want to ask, we come and we ask. Gratitude is expressed. Gratitude found them at his feet, worshipping Jesus with whatever they had. With whatever they had, they found themselves at his feet. And I wonder for us, who are witnesses of his grace every single day, who are recipients of his eternal mercy, I wonder, will our gratitude supersede our desperation for help? And again, I want to remind you that the fact that only 10, out of the 10, only one came back, that I suggest to you that for many of us, we struggle with gratitude. Our gratitude energy does not match our asking energy. 
many of us who are like this. And I believe that this needs to change. That as we look into these stories in the gospel, that our attitude needs to change and that there, there needs to be a shift. Like I mentioned, gratitude is intentional. Gratitude is expressed. It's not just a thing that you feel in your heart. It is expressed just the same way that you ask is the same way that we can be able to express our gratitude. And so today I want to leave you with one question. What will you do to demonstrate your gratitude towards your gracious Savior? What will you do to demonstrate, to up your gratitude energy and to demonstrate your gratitude towards this God who has done so much for you and continues to do so much for you, how will we up our gratitude energy that it may supersede our asking energy? Amen? Amen, 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 amen. As always, I never want to be able to close another sermon without inviting anyone who is watching me. That if you're watching this and you are like, yo, I, um, I want to know about this Jesus that you talk about, want to know about this Jesus that you keep coming here to talk about and preach about. And um, if you are here and you want to be able to um, give your life to Christ, um, I ask that you would um, say these words with me. That if you are here saying that I want to be able to invite Jesus to be able to transform me, to change me, to renew me, to give me a new life in him. I want you to say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you forgave my sins on that cross. I accept your forgiveness and I invite you to transform me, to change me, to renew me, saving me. If you pray that prayer, get into our down here. There's a WhatsApp uh, link. Hit us up on WhatsApp. Tell us uh, about you. Join us for Tuesday prayers at 8pm. God bless you guys. Uh, It's always such a privilege to be able to come and share God's word with you guys. See you again next week. God bless you.